Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. All righty then, a brand new year and we're still here. Really, people would have bet against us, but here we are. We made it against all odds. <laughs> I, we are The Approach Shot. I am John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Happy New Year, partner. It's been, uh, it's, uh, this is this is year number four for us. Really? Calendar year number four. Yeah, we started at the end of 2020. We had the hiatus in the middle, and uh, but yeah, year number four. So happy New Year! Oh, wow, time flies. <laughs> time flies when you're getting old. <laughs> yeah, that's true. New Year's resolutions. Got them. Yeah, new. Don't give me this New Year, New You stuff. <laughs> wow, you ain't buying it. Your grouchiness has gone from Christmas into New Year. How do you feel about Valentine's Day? Maybe we should start there. I got a problem with Valentine's Day. Don't ever marry a woman whose birthday is three days before Valentine's Day. Oh, boy. Yeah. Because combination birthday Valentine's presents. Oh, no. No. we. Uh-uh. I had that with Christmas. We have we have a member of the family that has a Christmas birthday, uh, the, the 20th. And for years, same thing, open the closet and reach in and grab one present. That's your birthday present. It's like, but that's just an early Christmas. <laughs> so we decided that instead we make a big deal and we do dinner and things like that. But, mm. but New Year's, you know, with the New Year's resolution thing, you and I talked about it before. I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I no. am a, however, hit the reset button guy. So, for example, easy things like just get up off the couch more. You know, when the dogs need to go out or we need to put our dishes away or we want to go grab a cocktail or something, instead of being like, oh, I got to get off the couch, just go get up and do it. Just and I've noticed it. that it makes everything feel better. So I've I've got some some of those kind of things. And, you know, yeah, the weight, everybody, no matter how thin you are, you want to lose some weight or you want to tighten up or you want to yeah. get in better shape and stuff. And some yeah. of that, yeah, and some of that is just crap that we both know that. At the end of January, nobody will still be doing it. Well, what is it? You have like a twenty-minute wait for every machine at the at the gym in January, and then yeah. you can hear echoes in February. Yeah, very if you're, much. If you're one of the few that's still going, yeah. yeah. So in in our house, we have a weight bench in the garage, and right now it's doing a great job at holding a bunch of clothes. And yes. yep, so I'm going to clear that out, and I guarantee that by first of February, that's what it'll be again. Oh. Uh, Let's see, my, my wife had the, uh, we're going to use the machinery we have downstairs right now, this year. And mm. I went, we are, huh? Okay. <laughs> Let's start that we with you. <laughs> and she came back up about 20 minutes later looking all dejected. And I said, what's wrong? She said, the dogs ate the power cord to the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> the question being, of course, when they might have done it. You know, six months ago, <laughs> you just now figured that out. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stick with the simple stuff. As, as Clint Eastwood said, a man needs to know his limitations. Yes. And I have definitely learned mine. Okay. Very comfortable with them. <laughs> okay. And so what, what pray tell are you going to do? What pray tell I am going to do is I am going to worship the ground that Phil Mickelson and his partner walk on because they have developed something healthy that I can do 
making myself feel better by drinking coffee. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I soon, as soon as I start talking to, to the four wellness people and they said, you're going to put, you're going to add this stuff to your coffee and it's going to help you with focus. It's going to help you with better energy and things like that. I was like, well, this is made for John because every single show he shows up with a cup of coffee. That's it. I had a, I had a general manager at a radio station tell me I had a, a coffee cup hermetically sealed to my hand. That would not surprise me if it was true. <laughs> it so, is. It is my beverage of choice. He says. My favorite beverage. As he raises his cup and, of coffee. And I usually drink it straight. Yeah. I drink coffee black, just like my wife, hot and bitter. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's hope she's not listening to this particular show. Well, that's what makes the for wellness product so amazing is, is here you are in the midst of all this drinking your coffee and this goes in your coffee. It's a supplement that goes into your coffee. It's a performance coffee supplement. It supercharges the natural benefits of your brew with just one scoop and allows you better focus. It reduces the caffeine jitters, which is crazy because that's one of the reasons I wouldn't drink more than two or three cups of coffee. It increases your collagen and supports fat burning. So, and all you got to do is put in your coffee. Yeah, that's it. That's it. There are five key ingredients. Uh, Some of them I can actually pronounce. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Himalayan salt, cinnamon, MCT. Don't know what that is. L-theanine. It's theanine. I knew L. She's nice. I know her well. If you take stuff in your coffee. I do. Then this replaces the sugar and all the other bad stuff, the dairy, the artificial creamers. You don't need any of that stuff anymore. And that stuff's not good for you. You know me better than this. I, unlike you, put sugar-free creamer in my coffee, and then I put some artificial sweetener in. And so I like my coffee tasting a little sweet and all this kind of stuff. So to be able to be in a position where I can eliminate that stuff and actually get more of the flavor because the cinnamon is in here is just, uh, it's a game changer. I I mentioned and alluded earlier to Phil Mickelson and his partner. Uh, Let me tell you who his partner is. It is the the guy who co-founded the Titleist Performance Institute. So he knows a little something about health. Dave Phillips is his name. He knows something about health. He knows something about performance. And the Titleist Performance Institute is specifically designed for golfers. Yeah. So what we're saying is we're going to kick off the new year by suggesting strongly that you go to forwellness.com backslash approach and use the code approach to get 25% off this supplement that you put in your coffee that helps you focus, that gives you more energy and all that. But wait, there's more. They also have things like a brownie. There's also gummy bears. There's other ways to be able to get it. So you can do the coffee and then supplement your supplement. Uh, They're called recovery gummies. That's true. And and after 18 holes in a June or July day, you know what you need. And yeah. those electrolytes get replaced with the recovery gummies. So do what Neil just suggested. Go to forwellness.com slash approach and use the code approach. You'll get and what 25, do they get? 25% off that whole order. How much? 25% if you use the promo code approach. You know somebody who didn't need extra energy is this guest we have today who, if you're a football fan in the 90s, you knew him because he probably burned your team's favorite defensive back. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Fred Barnett. 
He was a wide receiver for the Eagles and for the Dolphins. And I suggest that before we talk to him, we change his name from Fred Barnett to Fred Burnett because he burned a lot of defensive backs. You like that? Okay, yeah. Well, during the break, you run that by him and we'll see how he reacts. Burn it! (laughs) We'll be right back. We are the approach shot. Burn! If you owe the IRS 10000 or more in taxes, please listen to this important message. The IRS is aggressively hiring and quickly ramping up their tax collection team. Act now and protect yourself with a call to Tax Alliance. Don't let the money you owe the IRS keep you up at night and ruin your life. You may be surprised at how much having Tax Alliance on your side can protect you from the IRS collections and help you save thousands on what you owe. Here's what a customer had to say. Tax Alliance did an amazing job helping me through a quite difficult situation, saving me tens and thousands of dollars that I would have been paying for many years to come. Tax Alliance is rated A-plus with a Better Business Bureau with no consumer complaints. If you owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes, have unfiled returns, or have a payment plan and are still frustrated, call Tax Alliance now for a free consultation. 800-987-1097. 800-987-1097. That's 800-987-1097. Tax Alliance, your tax resolution solution. Hey, thanks for hanging out, and uh, we promised you somebody very exciting and very interesting, and we've got him coming up. I'm John Ashton. I'm not the exciting and interesting guy, though. And I'm Neil Michaels, and I'm not either. We have with us a, a guy who, if you have been paying attention to football in the last 20 years or so, and especially are a fan of the NFC East, which, you know, I am, then you know him, and we're going to get into all of that with Arkansas Fred, otherwise known to most of you as Fred Barnett. Fred, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, it's good to be here. We are glad you are here. You just had some car trouble right before this, and I know yes. that. Isn't that the worst oh, feeling? It, I, I can't even explain it. It's like back. It's like back pain. It's, it's like, like it, back pain. It's so it's, it's exactly. so irritating. It's like, are you serious? Now you have to figure out, you know, getting a car towed, and you got to figure out an Uber. Or got an Uber, and but it's good to be here. The cool thing about the approach shot: this is a no stress zone. Take a deep breath. Get a thing of water. Yeah. Take a look at the really funky background they put up for me today. Exactly. There you go. Have have a little of that, whatever that is. Exactly. We, we just did an interview last week with a, a wonderful lady named Christine Stone from Sirius XM. And right before we get on, she pours herself a glass of wine and goes, I hope this is OK. And we were like, we hope it's your second or third. So, well, you know what? I got I got some nice bourbon over here. I made it. John is in Louisville, Kentucky, the home of bourbon. What? Uh, yeah, within I'm, a 20 mile radius of me, I have six or seven distilleries. I uh, actually import mixtures. Through the island of Bermuda. Ah. I live in Bermuda right now. Okay. And I've been oh. collecting bourbon, gosh, for about 17 years. What's your favorite? I've, probably the Mictors 20. And I've okay. all, I, I've actually had quite a few of the uh, Blanton's store picks and the E.H. Taylor store picks, which have been very phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I actually just got my hands on uh, the Brown Foreman King of Kentucky last week. We'll, we'll see. We had uh, a Brown Foreman employee who calls himself America's CEO, Chief Entertainment Officer. His uh, name's <laughs> Tim Laird, and his job at Brown Foreman is coming up with cocktails. He invented the cocktail for the uh, 
the Oaks horse race. Okay. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, yeah man. somebody has to do it. Yeah. It's it's almost like playing football. It's almost as hard as playing football. Maybe no, probably not. Somebody has to that, do it. And hurt doesn't hurt quite as bad. So tell everybody why it's Arkansas Fred. I know why. Well, I think it's because you went to Arkansas State. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. 800-500-2021. That's 800-500-2021. Well, yes, but there's a little twist to it. Interestingly, uh, Buddy Ryan in 1990 was interested in another friend. He was from Louisiana. I think he, I can't remember exactly what school he was from, but he was from Louisiana, uh, a school in Louisiana. And of course, I'm from a school in Arkansas. So every time they would mention Fred, he would he would ask, which Fred is it? And they would talk about this Fred, that, you know, keep talking about one of one of us. And he's like, well, which Fred are you talking about now? So he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call this one Arkansas Fred and call this one Louisiana Fred. So, of course, they ended up drafting Arkansas Fred. So that's, say, since, since we've never heard of Louisiana Fred, obviously, you're the yeah, one yeah. that came out on top. <laughs> of I think course, the, only, of course. the only other Fred that had a nickname like that was Bedrock Fred, but that's entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Arkansas saw Fred. That's how I got the nickname, and I guess it, it stuck, stuck for a while. Yeah, everybody still yeah. called me up. Love got a, it. Got a quick story that, that relates, man. My first year in Louisville was 1980. And I went to the Kentucky Derby for the first time in 1980. And a guy that worked at the radio station was from Arkansas. Name was Bob Moody. There was a horse running in the second race named Arkansas Flash. And I said, well, I know, Bob, I'm going to have to bet on this horse. So I bet $5 across the board on Arkansas Flash, even though he went off at 26 to 1. Won the race. Wow. Wow. He he paid for my entire derby day. (laughs) I bet he did. I left after the derby. I was inebriated beyond recognition, and I still had $10 more in my pocket than I came to. <laughs> Based on that, you could pull off Arkansas Flash because, you know, let's face it, you were known for your speed and your hands. Yeah, I had a little speed. Yeah, a little speed. I was re- well respected. <laughs> yes. Say. Yes, you, yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. Especially by the DBs who you jumped over and ran by. So you were oh, yeah. drafted in the third round in 1990, played in the NFL for eight years, six with the Eagles, two with the Dolphins. We're going to talk yes. about some Dolphin things here in a minute. You made the Pro Bowl. You, you were a Pro Bowler. And in 1990, a Pro Football Writers of America NFL rookie team member. So yeah. there with your uh, resume. But here's the thing I found really interesting. You didn't play high school football until you were a senior. Yes. So how did you learn all of that in such a short well, period you know, of time? 
it wasn't much to learn. It was more really about the ability that I was basically born with. My dad had seven brothers. Five of those brothers probably should have played in, you know, some some uh, level of professional sports. Two of my uncles played college football. Uh, one uncle played in the USFL. And we were just we were just very a very athletic family. And my mom, she just thought football was too rough. She thought it was mm. too, too, you know, too rough of a sport. And I can remember my, of course, first year in, in, in middle school. I actually she had to pull me off the field a couple of times because it's like, you know, I, all my friends were playing and and they would, you know, stay after school and go to practice. And I wouldn't even come home and she would she would know exactly where I was. And she would come <laughs> pull me off the field. I'd be so embarrassed. I just finally, you know, just gave up. And my senior year in high school, you know, everybody, of course, was talking about colleges, where they wanted to go and this and that. And I was like, you know, I know I can play this game. I know I have the ability to play this game. I've gone to have gone to a couple of games and, you know, watch kids at my level play. And I'm like, I can see myself out there and I can see myself being successful if, I, if I'm able to play. And I finally went to her, my, you know, the spring right before my senior year. I said, look, if I'm going to be out of the house and in college, I need to you know, I need to try to figure out what is it that I need to do. I didn't want to, you know, just stay in Mississippi. By the way, I'm from Mississippi. You know, we didn't want to stay in Mississippi and work at, you know, the factories there. And and I just, you know, I felt like I really had the ability to play at 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 the high, of course, at the high school level and even at the college level. She said, okay, it's, you know, it's, it is about time that you make a decision for yourself or make decisions for yourself. And I went out and gosh, I actually was a, uh, all conference free safety. Uh, I was a better free safety than I was actually a, uh, a uh, wide receiver. So ended up, I think, catching about eight or nine touchdown passes in 11 games my my uh, only year. Uh, and I had like seven seven interceptions. Wow. And uh, and I really thought that I was going to get a scholarship as a free safety. Interestingly, of course, there wasn't a whole lot of recruiting around uh, 1990, 1989. No, no, it wasn't. Gosh, 85. I'm, I'm talking about my, my uh, <laughs> pro career. 85. So I actually, a friend of mine was being recruited by Arkansas State by a coach, actually, that was Washington Commanders now and the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator at one point. His name was Ron Meeks, and he was the wide receiver coach and recruiter for Arkansas State in 1985. Hmm. And a friend of mine who, who signed with Arkansas State told him, you need to look at Fred Barnett on your way back to Arkansas. Why don't you stop by, you know, Rosedale High School, which is where I went, and uh, look at his film. So, of course, he looked at my film and he sees me catching eight touchdown passes and just literally running by kids and, and you know, seven interceptions. And my high school coach called me that night. Before he before he went back to Arkansas State, my high school coach said a coach from Arkansas State came by, and I'm like, really? And I'm like, great. I'm like, because at that point, Ole Miss had offered me a half scholarship, and Mississippi hmm. State had had offered me a partial scholarship as well. But you know, we didn't have any money. I didn't want to put the stress on my mom to uh, try to come up with any with any money for for college, and I felt like you know. At some point, I'm going to get a look, whether it's a junior college or something. And my coach called me and said, look, Arkansas State just stopped by. And he said, I think they really, you know, prob probably want to sign you. And I'm like, you know, maybe a half scholarship or something. He said, no. He said, the coach told me not to show anyone else your film. 
<laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> and I said, oh, so about two hours later, I get a call from Coach Ron Meeks. And he's like, I'm just three hours away from you. I'll be there. I'll be at your house tomorrow. So he drove back to Arkansas State three hours. And the next day, he drove back to Gunnison, Mississippi, where I was. And my mom was so uncomfortable because sometimes recruiters, when they're kind of, you know, looking at you and talking to you, they're just kind of checking you out, looking at your body and just, you know, just hitting your shoulders. And my mom was like, why is he touching you like that? Why is he, <laughs> why is he, why is he looking, why is he looking at your legs and everything? I met with him and, and he went back. And then a couple of days later, he came back and got me. And we went to Arkansas State. And uh, I ran a four four forty. Wow! And got signed after that forty yard dash. That's amazing. The rest is history. The rest is is I I actually I tell the story to a lot of kids. You know, sometimes it's it's meant to be, and at the same time too, there's a lot of vision that I had for myself and a lot of hard work uh, that I put in to make sure what I visualized come true. Uh, it's not quite like that in golf, but I uh, played. Five years of organized football before I became a professional, which is like, you know, crazy. I mean, you don't hear you don't hear somebody don't playing do that five years. I bet you Randall Cunningham was pretty happy that that Coach Meeks called you because you yes, ended I, up being Randall Cunningham's favorite receiver. I know this because it says it on the Internet. And so it must be true. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything it. is true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How did you, how did the two of you vibe the way you did? Cause I, I mean, everybody knows about the 95 yard touchdown pass and we want, I would do want to talk to you about that specific play, but you guys vibed almost immediately. It was your rookie season. You vibed with him. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. We hear that a lot at chickendinnercasino.com because we have so many winners. That's because we have so many ways to win, including slots, blackjack, poker, and more. Of course, you can step into our sports book and bet on any sport, including college football, the NFL, and Major League Baseball, with some of the best bonuses around. But don't take my word for it. Hey, this is Ricky Williams, former Heisman Trophy winner and all-pro NFL running back. Hey, this is Ryan Sandberg, Chicago Cubs Baseball Hall of Famer, number 23 retired. Hey, guys, it's Brad Sham. I am the radio voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Be a winner by playing chickendinnercasino.com. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You can be a winner by playing today at chickendinnercasino.com. And our listeners get special offers. Just go to chickendinnercasino.com slash sports. That's chickendinnercasino.com slash sports, and you could be a winner winner today. Yes, yes. It's hard to say. I mean, I mean, he also had a vibe with Calvin Williams, who who was a rookie as well, but it just mm-hmm. seemed that, well, first of all, Randall loved throwing a deep ball. Yeah, he did. Of course, my specialties was, was getting down the field. I had this way of running that guys really didn't it didn't realize how fast I was running until I got right on him. And actually, I've heard that from defensive backs that I played against. Even Deion Sanders is like, look, it just looked like you're just not running that fast. And all of a sudden, you're right on us. And, you know, by the time we turn, you, we, you're you gone. So it's I just had this kind of weird style of running. I had I had a kind of a weird gait when I ran. But but, uh, you know, ended up, of course, you know, being one of the fastest wide receivers uh, in the league while I was playing. But I but I think. 
you know, the fact that, that, that Randall loved throwing a deep ball, you know, he had a very, very strong arm and, you know, we have a number of highlights of where he's, you know, putting the balls, you know, 60, 50, 75 yards down the field and, you know, I'm running right under it. But I think that that was a great vibe. And, and when you're a threat with a deep ball, it, it kind of leaves you, you know, enough room to work underneath. I mean, there's, you know, dig routes, deep in routes, or comeback routes that, you know, once I get 20 yards down the field, you think I'm, you know, going past you and you turn and run and, you know, and I'm stopping and running an in route or running a comeback route. So it just, it just kind of made, you know, the route tree easier for me having the speed or just kind of, kind of being, you know, a guy who, who was notable for, for going past you with his speed. So I think we've, we've vibed in that sense, you know, to, you know, uh, the deep route. And again, let's talk about the 95-yard miracle touchdown pass against yeah. Buffalo. For people who who may not remember this, it was a game against Buffalo. It was third and 14, and you guys were at the five-yard line. And Bruce Smith was the guy who was the defensive tackle that every quarterback feared because he would just come oh, yeah. He would just eat offensive linemen for lunch. If he wasn't unstoppable, it was very difficult to stop him. So it's third and 14 at the five. And I just watched this the other day. Here comes Smith and everybody. Randall ducks under yeah. one guy, runs out to another guy, then rolls to his left and rolling against his body, stops and throws the ball from five yards deep in the end zone to the 50 yard line. Yeah. And you have beaten no one. The DBs are right on top of you. Right there. Yeah. And you jumped. I don't know if you had springs in your feet or what. You jumped above all of them, caught the ball, and somehow the two of them, like bowling pins, fall down, and you run the rest of the way for a 95-yard touchdown. And I, I had to watch that thing like five times to believe what I saw. And the announcers who were doing it even said, I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah. Do you remember that as clearly as as I just described it? Yes, actually, actually I do. It's uh, you know, It was an incredible play. A lot of people don't realize that that we lost that game. <laughs> when I say that, it's, no part it's, of like, it. it's like the it's like the loss doesn't even matter. It's like yeah, but the play. But I I think I had I had a, a post route on that play, and I can remember looking over. I I was on the right side and just kind of running my post and just looking over my left shoulder, and it got to a point where I just kind of started jogging and like, what the heck is going on? And I see bodies just flying everywhere. And so I'm looking around, looking at the refs, and I'm like, no whistle. And everybody's still playing. And all of a sudden, to my right, Randall just comes out. And when he does that, I'm like, oh, my goodness, he's not going to. And here a ball comes. I'm like, here comes the ball. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, just catch the ball, just catch the ball. Catch. So I go up, and of course, as soon as I go up, it just kind of hits, hits, hits me, you know, right on my right shoulder pad. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm gone. And I'm like, there's no way these guys are catching me. And and I just, I just took off. And and if, if you watch the whole play, you can see I'm, I'm just exhausted. And I try to spike the ball, and I end up falling. <laughs> I was going to say, you have ended the up falling. worst touchdown dance in the history of the NFL <laughs> on that play. You went to spike the ball. Your feet came out from under you. You fell on your butt and the ball goes down. And, and I'm thinking, was that intentional? Because nowadays they do kind of all kind of weird touchdown dances. Crazy, yeah. Nope. You it just was not intentional. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I went to, I, you know, I started the, the backwards spike. I don't, I don't want to say I started, but, uh, 
people say I started the backwards night. That's why I'll <laughs> yeah. say that. And I and I was going to spike it backwards, and and my left foot just kind of slipped, and uh, I still spiked it. I was just on, on it was on my way down, falling <laughs> on my foot. If you want to go back on YouTube and watch the play, the play is incredible. But please do watch the worst touchdown dance in the history of mankind, because that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it that was it for sure. Maybe he's got a much better approach to the uh, to the pin when he sinks along the punt for birdie or something. We'll talk Probably about his so. golf game when we come right back with Fred Barnett here on the Approach Shot. Don't move. Have you ever tried to buy gold and silver and felt like you were talking to a used car salesman? That's because the precious metals industry is like the Wild West. Salesmen can say pretty much anything or make any promise they want without repercussion. But Genesis Gold Group is different. They're a faith-driven Christian precious metals company and believe in educating their customers, not pressuring them for a quick sale. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. Find out why they've earned a 5 out of 5 rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they can help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. Call right now to learn more. 800-239-6987. That's 800-239-6987. And thanks for hanging and coming back. We are the Approach Shot. Arkansas, Fred Barnett is our guest. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. And and before we jump into golf here, I want to get a little serious for a minute. You did an interview about 10 years ago with CBS Radio in Philly talking about headaches and how you were living with headaches back then. And you were talking about Junior Seau and some of that. How are yeah. you feeling these days, and are you still involved with that? Yeah, yes, I am still involved with it, uh, and I get a, a an annual checkup every every year. Of course, every year is an annual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why they call it that. You know, it's something that I think all players have to stay on top of. It's been hard over the past. I guess I guess I can say, you know, since I've been retired, I've seen so many players and heard of so many players just doing things uncharacteristic of who they are. And even some players that are having ailments, you know, beyond, you know, just ahead that are, you know, not with us anymore. It's it's a scary thing because it's like, of course, the older you get, the more your body, you know, starts to, you know, deteriorate and you feel aches and pains here. And I mean, even just just last week, I had a buddy that actually went to Arkansas State, Michael Adams. He, he got drafted by the Saints. He just passed, passed away at, at uh, 60, I think 61 years old. Played three years, I think, with the Saints. And I played, I think he played a, a year or two with uh, Arizona. Got it. I did summer camps with Kwame uh, Lasseter you know, passed away on the treadmill. Kwame was like late 40s. I think it's essential that, you know, every year that we get, you know, not only our head checked, but our heart, uh, you know, everything that, you know, that that kind of keeps us ticking, you know. But I, I, I'm definitely involved in it. And there's there's a there's a there's a major assessment that we do every five years. And then there's an assessment that we do every year as well. So, you know, you just got to have to stay on top of it. I have been in touch with guys who, who are who are struggling a lot worse than I am. 
And, you know, guys are forgetting little things. And sometimes it's, it's interesting because it's, as a player, you're so used to being in control of things. And, you know, you, you got your playbook and you, your own time and everything's just kind of always kind of running the right way. And, you know, your plays and you know exactly what to do. And, and then sometimes when you just, you know, forget certain things, it just kind of bothers you. It kind of irritates you, you know, when you, you, you come out and realize, OK, I, I thought I parked my car here, but the car is, you know, on the other side of the street. You know, so that, you know, I, I mean, there are a couple of times I had a couple of episodes of uh, the dizzy spells, being conscious of it, uh, staying on top of it. And, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of guys who just, you know, don't take advantage of, of what the NFL is offering us because, uh you know, I feel that they've acknowledged now that, you know, this, the game is a serious physical game and, and there, you know, there could be some issues with, with players, especially back when, you know, the rules weren't as what they are now. And, you know, uh, now guys are a little more protected. Your generation of players, 70s, 80s and 90s, you guys hit harder because you were allowed to, yeah. got hit harder. And it is better now for sure. But the fact that the NFL recognizes that what you guys went through taught them that they need to be more aware of this and provide more services is great. Now what we need to do is get players of your generation and before to recognize that it's there and do something about it and stop trying to be so powerful about it and say, yeah. Hey, I might have an issue here. I should go get it checked out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times too, it's just, you know, guys just don't want to acknowledge and accept that, you know, they could have an issue. And yeah. that's a lot. That's that's kind of across the board with some people. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor. I could find out something's wrong. <laughs> well, that's why you need to go. <laughs> that's, that's why you. Exactly. That's right. That's kind of why you go. That's why John tells me I need to go to his buddy to get take some golf lessons because we know yeah. there's a problem. We, we know need to fix it. I don't. I don't think that's that's exclusive to NFL players though. That's men in general. Oh, you mean yeah. guys? Don't, I'm not going to go to the doctor because there may be something wrong with me, man. Yeah. yeah. So John's friend tells me there's something wrong with my swing. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. He's helped me with, with a couple things and some I've talked to him about and some I've got on video. How is your game these days? You know, interestingly, this interview or podcast is, is very timely because I can remember my first year when I retired, I got this weird set of golf clubs and I didn't want to pay anything from a golf club because uh, whatever. And I ended up just kind of collecting these different clubs that I just got rid of last year. So I I found myself when I first started just kind of not caring. And even when I wanted to hit the ball right and I did, and I was like, oh, what the hell? And and since I've been retired, I play in, you know, celebrity tournaments, you know, as long as like the, you know, I'm not doing anything on TV, forget it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you know the celebrity tournaments when you know we play captain's choice and and of course i could get you know two or three shots where you know oh we're gonna play fred's ball and i'm like yes that's, yes. that's, that's all i want <laughs> and uh i've been playing you know a lot a lot of uh charity tournaments we moved to bermuda about four years ago my wife does work with bacardi and i found myself playing a little more just a year ago i decided here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna so i, I ended up getting a set of pings this year, like I think it's February. And I have played more this year than I played in my entire retirement. So I've played at least 30, 40 times this year. 
Holy crap. And, wow. and I'm at a point now to where I'm understanding. I haven't had lessons yet. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm having lessons once we get back, get back next year. We're, we're going on a, a trip for New Year's. I, I live in a part in an area in Bermuda called Pembroke. And one of my neighbors has been trying to get me to come out and play. So now we play every Saturday when we're, of course, if it's not raining or, or when we're in town. We play at this par three course every Saturday. So it's a kind of easy course to just kind of work on your short game. And we played there probably 20 times. The first time we went out, he beat me by 12 strokes. Okay. Second time we went out and all the rest of the time I beat him every time. Really? And he's and it's frustrating the heck out of him because he's like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? And the one thing that I noticed about myself, but once I find out that I'm what I'm doing wrong, I fix it right away. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, and you know, and I'm I'm totally transparent with this because I I it's getting to a point where I'm really enjoying the game and I love it because it's so challenging. And a buddy of mine asked me, you know, what's the most frustrating thing about it? And I said, you know what's interesting? I said, I'm gonna be honest. And I said, it's 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 not that this is my this is a characteristic that I have. I said, but I'm so damn arrogant. I think that. I'm just not going to do what I'm supposed to do. And the ball's going to go where I want it to go. That's <laughs> Eric. You know, and I'm like, ah, you know, and I'm like, it didn't. <laughs> and the ball didn't decide not to go. Right. It's just that, you know, my swing is off. It's actually one of the hardest things I've ever done. Just when you think you feel, feel it, you don't. Yeah. And just when you think you, you just, I don't feel like it today. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, just, Spot going exactly where yeah, I want to shooting. go. Yeah, and and, yeah. and such a great feeling. I mean, of course, it's, we play. I play a lot on this part three. I think the two or three times, the last two or three times, I maybe hit the green like five times, which is like amazing for me. Just to just mm-hmm. you know take a nice smooth swing and and it just falls right on the green. It's it's amazing, and and yeah. it's getting to a point to where I mean, why I put it this way, I it, this year for the first time I. I ever I've gone out by myself, you know, it's a great game and it's something that, you know, I look forward to continuing, you know, for the rest of my life, as long as I'm here. And once I get those lessons, I really feel that, you know, going to get a lot better at it. I'm I'm not going to be a scratch golfer, but at the same time too, I, I, you know, I'm going to make shots that, that are pleasing to me and go out and enjoy, you know, some of the nice courses. Well, like you say, Fred, when, when you find out what you're doing wrong and when you take lessons, I mean, just swinging a club in front of a, a PGA pro, they're going to know what you're doing wrong. You know, you'll, you will become even more addicted than, than you already are. And, but let me tell you that the major frustration, no matter how good you get, the major frustration with this game is you can go out and shoot six under par on Tuesday and then go back uh-huh. on Wednesday and be 20 over on the yeah. same course. It was so interesting. Cause I, I uh, watched the Bermuda, the Butterfield PGA uh, open. And actually, I was here and I actually belonged to uh, Port Royal Golf Golf Club where they played a PGA. And mm-hmm. it was just it was just great just kind of watching, you know, the pros play the holes that I that I play. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it was even more fun to see them screw up a hole that I just totally, you know, like, hey, you could have done that. You, know, you could have used my shot on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me show you how to do that, that hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, as a competitive guy, as somebody who grew up at playing competitive sports, the thing yeah. that John said that's so frustrating is 
you're always going to compete against yourself. There's no perfect. You're not going to go out there and get a hole in one on 18. You're not going to go yeah. out there and, and hit every shot, right? Not every putt's going to drop. Not every drive is going to go where you want it to. And so yeah. even when you get better, you will always compete with yourself. And that's what makes it the reason we all go back. Cause we want to mm -hmm. go, Oh, I could correct that shot. I could correct that shot. Last time I played, I hit that drive over here. Next time I know to hit it over here, or next time I know this green is going to break a certain way. And maybe yeah. you fix that, but something else goes wrong. So it's, it's what keeps yeah. us coming back. Fantastic. Speaking of coming back, we're going to come back here in a little bit. And I've got a six pack of questions for you, Fred Barnett. Oh, a six pack. We're going to fire yeah. them off at you. And we're oh. going to want to give you, you give us the very first thought that comes to mind. So we're going to do oh, that <laughs> and, and just be ready because it's going to come from all over the place. Let me That's get it. my bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> you, may, you may need it, Fred. He's Fred Barnett. We're the approach shot. We'll be right back. Attention timeshare owners, this is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Defense Attorneys, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. If you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn how you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, Call today. We're offering a free $250 Visa gift card to show you how we can help. We offer a complete 100% unconditional client satisfaction guarantee. Make this completely free call and learn how we can help you legally put an end to your timeshare nightmare once and for all. Call today for your complimentary free consultation and learn how to get your $250 Visa gift card. 800-251-0427. 800-251-0427. 800-251-0427. That's 800-251-0427. And we are back. I've got my coffee. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and I have my water. With us is Fred Barnett, who looks like he's throwing around some bourbon. Yes. Bottoms Not up. quite like my golf swing. It's a lot better than my golf, golf swing. Smoother right anyhow. Huh? Oh, yeah. It's a lot smoother for sure. Right. Don't give it to you. All right. Go ahead and Don't take a sip because you're going to need it. Six packs coming up. You ready? We're going to hit six questions. Give us the first answer that comes to mind. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one. Your 95-yard touchdown pass from Randall Cunningham was one considered one of the greatest catches in NFL history. So what catch, other than one that you made, do you consider one of the best of all time? Uh, I would say the catch Odell Beckham Jr. made, uh, the one-hand catch in the end zone. That, that was mm -hmm. unbelievable. You're I mean, stabbing a Cowboy fan in the heart right now. I know. That, 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 that was unbelievable. That was, serve you right to suffer, baby. Serve you right. <laughs> he played for the Eagles. He went right for a catch that to stab a Cowboy fan in the heart. But that was I amazing. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say Dwight Clark. I'm just saying. Oh, uh, no. Another, another one. Step. <laughs> Why is it all the great catches are against the Cowboys? All right. Question two. Who is your favorite person to play golf with? And who do you play with that makes your game better? My favorite person to play golf with is a guy by the name, name of Ian Frith. He's my neighbor. He's the, he's the guy who beat me the first time I went out. <laughs> and I've had, I've had his number ever since. He's, he's my favorite to play with because 
he all he always fights back. And when when I'm up when I'm up two or three strokes, he seems to seems to tie it up, and he just pushes me and 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 makes me you know you know concentrate a lot more. And plus we're neighbors, and so we you know we kind of you know kind of go at each other and uh, see who's going to come out on top. So lately, I, it's it's been me. <laughs> the question, I think, the question underneath the question there is: Would he, would this be the same answer if he was still beating you? Um, probably would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're good. We're good sports. We're good. Definitely good sports. All right, I've been dying since I knew you were going to be on this show to ask Uh-oh. you this question. Question three: Your 1992 Pro Line football card pictures you shirtless with gloves on. <laughs> Leaning against a chalkboard, looking like a male model. So the question is, who gives you the most about being Arkansas Fred the model? You know, uh, my daughters. I can remember when they first saw that card, they were like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, is that your mustache? Because I had this really thick mustache. And this was was years before they were even here. So that... And the one thing about, about about my kids, I although of course I did what I did, I never pulled out my film and told my kids, "Look at me, look at me." Never did it. And I can remember taking even my boys uh, to the to the football game uh, last couple of weeks ago, and they're like, "This is what you did." Mm-hmm. And a lot of their friends, even my my of course my daughter, where well, my daughters are are out of college now, but I can remember first taking my daughters to a an autograph signing, and they were just like all these people are here for you. And I'm like, yes, you know, started, you know, showing them some of my, some of my uh, trading cards. And they're like, this is you. This is, cause I, I just never did. I never told them exactly. They knew that I played pro football, but they didn't know how good I was. And uh, I can remember them seeing that card. It was like cracking up because they was, you know, of course, I'm standing there trying to look like a model. And I look like, I looked older than I look now. I had this really, you know, thick mustache. I look like somebody's grandpa leaning against that board. <laughs> <laughs> I think the funny thing is looking at it, it's like, okay, you, you first look at the body because it's you, pretty rock hard back then. And you make your way up and it's like, why is he wearing a porn stash? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. you, know, you know how you know how you always kind of critique yourself. And I I look at that card and be like, I look, I literally look disgusting. <laughs> I look like I just like Smelled like some poop or something. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't have gone the entire discussion with you without bringing that one up. Oh, all right. Question four, less embarrassing. What is your best golf shot ever? My best golf shot that I've, I guess, I've made or that you made. Mm -hmm. That I made. Um, It had to have been actually. of course, it was on a par three course. I hit the green, and I think I was, I, of course, I got a birdie on that one. And I think I was about 150, 160 out. And I used a seven iron, and it was the smoothest, slowest swing. It looked like a slow motion swing. And as soon as I hit the ball, I, everybody was like, that's a golf shot. <laughs> and it felt so good. It was like, I felt like a robot. It was like, and it just, you know, about three feet from, from the cup. And I was like, wow, it's, and of course the next shot, I probably hit, hit, hit the bunkers, <laughs> the next, not the next shot, but the next hole, right. I probably hit the bunker. Did you sink the putt? I did. I yeah, did. Okay. I did. Right. You know, hole after hole, it's, you know, within each hole I'm making like the 
perfect shot. And then I somehow, you know, figure out how to screw it up. But that, but that particular hole was, was, I think it was actually hole number four at a uh, turtle hill in Southampton. And I don't think I, I don't, I don't think I buried that hole since though. <laughs> Question five. You are good friends with NFL legend Eric Dickerson. Tell us a Dickerson story that was never supposed to leave the friend vault. I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) God, uh, we've hung out a lot in Vegas. And you know what goes on in Vegas stays stays in Vegas. So (laughs) not too too much I can tell you about Vegas. You know, I've never actually played golf with Eric. We've actually tried to do a couple of tournaments that, that, that didn't come through. And hopefully we'll get one uh, this year in in Bermuda. But I would say that there's 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 not much, you know, you know that could possibly be entertaining. Uh, Eric Dickerson's story. Uh, he's, he's just a genuine, nice guy, uh, very mature guy. I like you know I like hanging around hanging around around guys who mature and stay out of trouble and you know keep your nose clean and you know talk about positive things. To tell you the truth, nothing really comes to mind besides you know mm. us just kind of hanging out and. And, you know, having a sip of whiskey and a cigar and never actually never had a chance to play golf with him. And go back, I guess, because I really wasn't playing golf at that time. There you go. All right. Question six. Since we are the approach shot, we ask this of everybody who comes on the show. Mr. Barnett, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by? The rule that I live by is honesty. Honesty has always helped me whether that's people being honest with me and more importantly, me being honest with myself. Honesty has kept me intact. There are times that when I wanted to do things and I was honest about myself, uh, honest actually to myself about why I wanted to do it. Being honest, in my opinion, just kind of, you know, keeps it all, keeps everything in perspective. You know, there were things that I didn't want to do. You know, the honesty made me do them. As I mentioned, most the, the most important thing about honesty is being honest with yourself, that you're you're not, you know, overlooking anything that that you need to change about yourself. You know, I'm I'm 57 years old and, and I'm looking for things to change, you know, to make what, what can I do to make myself better, a better father, a better husband, a better friend, a better golf player. <laughs> Even the fact that, you know, I call myself arrogant on my shot, on my bad shots. I'm, I'm being honest and saying, you know, I, I dummy self think that the ball's just going to go. Even if I, I, even if I raise my head up, it's just going to go where it's going to go. It, it, because I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm fast friend. It's going to do what I want. <laughs> Honesty works here because honestly, that was the best answer we've ever had on, on that question. So Fred Barnett, you oh, are you being honest. Seat. I am being honest because because honestly, a lot of people will say, and and they're being honest at the time, you know, treat others as you would want to be treated or do good, leave things better than you found it. And all of those answers are great. But you said something that was introspective. You said something where you were vulnerable about yourself. And to me, that makes it a more honest answer and a more well thought out answer. So- Bravo. Well done. I have one thing before we go. I read something that I thought was one of the most aware moments that an athlete has ever shared in your fourth game ever. The Eagles are playing the Colts. And during a TV timeout, you said that you just sort of looked around during this TV timeout and you said, this is the fourth game of your entire career. You looked around and you were like, holy crap, I made it. This is it. Yeah. How do you have a moment like that during a 30-second TV timeout, man? I mean, one thing that's important and for me to be successful 
was to uh, to visualize what you want to do. I see it as like a jigsaw puzzle, right? It's like when you have this picture of what you want to do, all these pieces that create that picture are opportunities. So it was the opportunity to get that one scholarship. It was the opportunity to just have enough passes thrown to me or catch enough passes to be on the radar of an NFL team. It was the opportunity to be ranked high enough to go to the combine. So all those pieces just start to put to, I put together to create this picture that I saw in that fourth game. I think because I was so focused on putting that puzzle together, even through training camp, even through the first game, just getting over the nerves in the first game. And, you know, you know, it, it, I think about my fifth game, I was starting. Fourth or fifth game, I was starting. I think at that point, I just felt relaxed and confident that I was where I, be- I I was where I belong, and we I think it was the Indianapolis game, and I think that's my first touchdown. And they went to a TV timeout, and I just kind of relaxed, and I just kind of looked up in the crowd, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I just literally started bawling on the field, and I'm like, I'm here, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just like wiping my tears through my through my head, and I'm like, oh God, I hope everybody don't see me crying, <laughs> feel, but but you know you you're talking about a small town boy from Gunnison, Mississippi, you know the biggest thing that was near me was a nail factory and you know a division two school delta state just a desire to play football and then just that one piece of the puzzle when my mom said okay go ahead and i'm like i have to do this and here i am talking about my years in the nfl and he's kicking off 2024 on the approach shot which has got to be the epitome of his career (laughs) there's two regrets to successful you know it's the regret of not trying you know and and one one of course is regret of not trying because you you just you won't you won't succeed if, if if you don't try and of course you know you can't give up the kids that i grew up with they literally laughed at me because in the 10th grade i wasn't even playing football i'm like i'm gonna play pro football and they're like you don't even play football now what are you talking about <laughs> And, you know, had no idea that, you know, my last year would be, you know, the year that that I started playing. I just had it in my mind that it was going to happen. And as soon as I got the opportunity to make it happen, I had to take advantage of every opportunity to make sure that what I saw would be a reality. And, and now it's history. Well, our only regret is that we got out of time. We love talking to you, Fred. It was I mean, that was Felt like we were just sitting at a bar just having a conversation with an old friend. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net.